All right, three, two, one, here we go. Welcome one and all to the WGSD After Chat, a podcast in which fellow WGSD chat member Jason Heisel and myself, Brian Hill, recap the Webster Grove School District's weekly Twitter chats from the previous month, diving deeper into the topics which sparked discussion and inviting you to be a part of the moment shared in the hashtag WGSD chat. This is our first official episode in which we will be looking back at the WGSD chat sessions from September. The topics we will take a closer look at are questions and advice for new teachers, resources, passion in your teaching, and last but certainly not least, grading and progress reports. So, Brian, I'm wondering, how have you been? (laughs) Well, sir, uh, is overworked and underpaid something appropriate to say in a district sponsored podcast yes well then incredibly tired as well but busy and busy (laughs) in a good way it's been a been a lot of stuff going on so and that's all the professional stuff at home just uh the typical family stuff nothing special too much well actually now that i say that my wife is going to kill me if she hears this because yeah i was uh, thinking you might get in trouble for that comment We just recently found out that we're uh, we're pregnant. Me, we being my wife, less me. So <laughs> there you go. But yeah, well, that's, congratulations that's on our front. Thank you, sir. What about you? How you been? Uh, I have been uh, this morning, and particularly uh, very frustrated with printing and printing needs and the exhaustion that comes with that. <laughs> but I had a wonderful night last night. We. Uh, Actually, both attended the district showing of Most Likely to Succeed, which was awesome. Really fascinating look at uh, learning um, and what it could be like and sort of an idea of how it has to change in order to match up with the way the world is going. Uh, It was a fascinating movie, uh, really aligned to a lot of the stuff the district was looking at doing with School for Today type concept stuff. Uh, and it was an awesome turnout. There was probably uh, over a hundred people there and, uh, the chats, just the conversations afterward were one of those things where I wish I had just had the microphone running. I mean, they were phenomenal. Everyone was wondering certain things. I heard teachers, a lot of teachers there saying, how do I do this tomorrow? Uh, you know, it's one of those things that just gives you energy to continue forward doing this important and valuable work that our, uh, staff is doing here. So it was exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm completely on board with all of that. That's it was quite the night and I ended up uh not only thinking about it all night, but when I got home afterwards, it was literally in my dreams. And this morning one of the first wow. things I woke up thinking about and it's been kind of cooking around in my head ever since. So it's pretty exciting and a, a neat perspective on how uh that school out in California, what was it, High Tech High? Uh, high tech high that's right built everything around this whole new system of addressing education in a new what postmodern society so yeah you know and the phenomenal piece about it was that idea that this video they went to all these different schools and the one thing they said was is no two schools did it the exact same way and i love that and i love that they shared that i think that's so valuable even when you just look within the district just right now at the different ways our different elementary schools are, the way the middle school is different than the high school, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's that's extremely valuable. And even on a smaller scale, if you're in one school, 
watching classroom to classroom to classroom and how they're each approaching this new innovative style. Right. And you know, that's, that's, it's funny you bring that up because that's one of the things I always wonder about. And I always say, I'm like, could you imagine being a learner in school today and you go from one class in this, this style and then you go to another class and it's completely a different style. And that's when I have truly, I always go back to kids are so resilient and we do not applaud that resilience enough. Uh, but you know, I felt the same way you did. I went home and I actually ended up writing up a medium post cause I had to get it out of my head. I had to process it. I had to reflect on it. And that was one of the things I did was I, uh, I wrote up this medium post just, you know, saying like, what can we do tomorrow to help be part of the change? And that's sort of like stuck with me is, you know, what can you do right now that will foster some of these practices while also maintaining the fact that these kids have not been in an environment that is so open to a democratic learning style process where they are truly looking at and learning through something that they are passionate and interested in. So it's, it's amazing. And, and I could think about it and talk about it for way too long. And so incidentally, that's a perfectly seg- perfect segue into uh, what we're hoping to talk about first thing today, which is, um, the topics from last month, September, we, one of the first things we chat about was, uh, was, uh, goals and democratic learning experiences. Well, but one second, Jason, before you go tossing it on to the next thing, perfect moment here to say, Hey, if you want to pause the podcast and check out the link, we will make that available to you somehow either in the comment section or on the, uh, Weebly website for this WGSD chat, but go check out Jason's uh, medium post. I saw it this morning earlier. I didn't get a chance to read it in depth just yet, but it looks interesting. So back to our stuff from uh, last month, democratic learning experiences. Yeah. So uh, what does that mean to you? Democratic learning experiences? Well, it sounds to be completely honest, like a lot of educational jargon mm-hmm. right on the surface. But when you dip into it a little bit, when I take some time to think about it, it suggests less structure in a learning environment, while also the democratic part has just suggests choice. So if I were to break it down, I would be hearing myself say learning based on choice from the kids that's less about a structured outline and more about just experiencing something. I would agree with that. I I always say – what I have seen the uh, abbreviated version of what is a democratic learning experience or space is the idea around what are, what's the coin phrase nowadays, voice and choice or other way around choice and voice. The idea of the kids choosing what they're wanting to learn about and their voice being present in the space. And I'm always a huge advocate for, as I said before, everyone in that space is a learner. It's not the teacher teaching so much anymore as they are curating experiences of learning. Um, and really, that's that's some diversion. Oddly enough, after watching that video, uh, our son was with us during the, uh, when we watched the video last night, and he asked me, I said, do you know what a democratic learning space is? And he's like, no, I have no idea. And so I started <laughs> to try to explain it to him, and it was one of those things where you're like, how do you explain this to a nine-year-old? And it really was what's something you're interested in learning about? Okay. So you want to learn about dolphins. Okay. So through learning about dolphins, what other things might you learn or explore or find interesting? And 
it's really hard to paint a picture. You almost just have to watch it happen, which is why that video was perfect. Um, because it's truly, you start at one point and you move through and by the end of it, he's no longer learning about dolphins. He's learning about something completely different or maybe not. And he is now vastly as a nine-year-old, extremely interested in becoming a marine biologist because of all the things he learned in the process, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. And I've always loved the idea of using this single concept to dive deeply into a passion that a kid has while using all the tools that are required to navigate figuring things out and thinking critically uh, and problem solving to, to teach the curriculum. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things I learned last well, over the past couple of years as we're looking at this sort of school for today type concepts is it's not that we're throwing curriculum out the window. It's dissecting the curriculum into a set of standards. And what I, if I took away anything from that video last night was the world today needs critical thinkers. They don't need people who just can recite information. They don't need Ken Jennings in the world who just know all of the stuff and it's up in their head. They need people to think critically about stuff um, and troubleshoot in problem solve and be empathetic to one another and help support the learning that's happening in the space that might have nothing to do with their interests, but help another learner grow as an individual. Ken Jennings being the uh, Jeopardy genius from years past that was eventually beat by Watson, the computer, right? That is correct, sir. The okay. same. So while we're talking about all this democratic learning stuff, I'm wondering, um, Brian, you have, a, I think, a perfect opportunity for this, and you probably are doing this, which is why it's probably odd to describe, um, because I think daily you create an environment that is purely democratic learning experiences. So maybe tell people a little bit about how you're doing this and what you do every day with the kids um, to get an idea of how that looks from your perspective. Yeah, uh, I would say definitely the opportunity for democratic learning experiences. I don't want to sound like I'm some expert or, or overly uh, effective democratic learning experience kind of educator. But the program, if you're not familiar with it, is the Adventure Club. It's, our before, it's the school district's before and after school care. But it's also always had the educational components within it, not just a co- child care program, but also learning experiences. And one of the things we have really recently and deliberately started doing is incorporating wonderings and interest-based activities and uh, what is traditionally called project-based learning kind of things where whatever the kids are passionate about, we let them explore that thing and express it through whatever they're interested in doing through that and we don't have to worry about curriculum in our programming. So we don't have to worry about state standards. So we're able to just toss all of that right out the window and whatever process unfolds in front of us, we get to allow that and facilitate it so that the children are learning in a very organic way. Um, The best way to learn really. Agreed. Completely agreed. Uh, It's the best. And I would say, if not hinted, by the word organic, actually one of the most natural learning methods. Um, and as I'm speaking, I'm trying to come up with uh, specific examples, but I'm blanking. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> Which would obviously be happening when we're recording, right? Right. That's okay. Blanks happen. We can always go back and look at our tweets and see all the wonderful things that are doing. 
going on. Well, I mean, I would even say just in the experiences I have when I, and when I see you at work is the kids come to you with their ideas of stuff that they want to do. And they, they're comfortable and confident to come and talk to you about what it is they're wanting to do. And you move forward with that. You never say, no, we're not doing that because I said so. I've not once ever heard you say it. Now, sometimes there might be those moments because, you know, kids are kids, but I would say that in and of itself is like one of the most natural things. You created a space where they are confident and comfortable enough to come up and ask you to do something that they are interested and wanting to do, regardless of, like you said, curriculum standards. It's That's what they're interested in doing. And then from that, you see things a little bit differently than uh, another person and you see the opportunities to push them further. You see opportunities within it to, to capture these moments and share these moments. So it's one of the coolest things that I think personally about, about your position that you have is that you get to see this and you get to do this on a regular basis. Yeah. And I appreciate the compliment and the feedback and, uh, high praise, high praise, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually what comes to mind this morning and it wasn't so much a project and which is why it's kind of hard to, to use it as an example, but at the same time, it's almost the perfect thing. I had a kiddo approach me this morning specifically about uh, technology and iPods. I had tons of questions about iPods and iPhones and how they work, and we ended up sitting down reading articles online that we searched up real quick. And by the end of it, we were discussing computer chips and wiring motherboards and how flexing an iPhone can accidentally pop something loose and cause things to break and how they can be addressed, which then in turn turned into customer service conversations and sales and business etiquette and ethics. And it was quite an adventure when it really, for, if you forgive the pun there, <laughs> uh, for how the conversation unfolded, less physical uh, representation of any type of learning, but a lot of very cerebral thought processes going on. That's awesome. Um, you know, and in my mind leads me to, uh, another perfect talking point from that first session was the idea of, of teaching and, and what is it, and what does it mean? And what did it mean? Because, uh, I have, I'm very opinionated on that word. Uh, how about you? How about yourself, Brian? What do you think about teaching? What does it mean to you teaching? Well, um, teaching to me, teaching, to be honest, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the, uh, act of imparting knowledge, but it also implies a certain degree of there's an authority in the front that knows the thing and then expresses the thing to the, the learner. And the learner has to be able to uh, retain that and recite it back or prove it back or whatever to the teacher. There is a teacher, there is a learner. Boom. So I, I couldn't agree more with you on that statement that I think the same when, when I think of teaching, I think that's the, the first thing that came to mind or used to come to mind for me was that idea of an expert in the room who is sharing their knowledge with a group of people who may or may not want to be there learning what they're spouting out. And I have to say, it sounds like there's some bitter taste in your mouth as you say that. Well, you know, I, uh, I think there is a I think it's because of the idea of what teaching meant. And even after watching that video last night, when you look back to the origin of this practice of teaching, it was to create better soldiers. I mean, they flat out said it, you know, in the video last night and, and they painted the a perfect picture of what that meant and how that worked and how we really haven't changed our system as a whole. I'm not saying individuals haven't started changing what teaching is, 
um, when you walk around the district now and you go into classrooms and you look at, you know, air quote teaching, it's, it's curating and facilitating experience. There is still some opportunity to do some direct instruction. Um, but I see more and more teaching, becoming facilitating, um, learning opportunities and creating spaces for failure to happen because that is in essence learning or the teacher's role now becomes to allow their students to fail and not have a quote, you know, perfect science lab where we know what the outcome is going to be. We want them to actually try something, try their own ideas, see what works and what doesn't work, and then reflect back on that. That is the crucial element is not just letting them fail and then walking away. Like, yeah, you failed. It's, it's their role is turning into re- having those kids really reflect back on what didn't, why didn't it succeed and reflect on themselves and reflect on their group and reflect on the work. And from that, that's, that's the learning. That's the important piece. So that word teaching is such a struggle for me because I, the first thing that pops into mind is walking in a classroom. I'm going to sit at my desk. I'm going to talk to my friend for a little bit. The bell rings. And now the person up front is going to tell me what I have to do. So I, I think that's the, the bitterness you might see is that idea of how are we, how are we not changing this as a, as a system? We, we have to, like, it's archaic. Um, and, and what I struggle with is, is that idea of a lot of people fear that because it's not, it's not what we did. I mean, I went through, we went through the West Coast school district. We, we know how it was and we've seen it change and we've been part of the change and it, it's hard to imagine what that's, how, what it's going to be like. And, and it can't be the same. Like it can no longer be the same. When we were in school, internet was new, you know, <laughs> We didn't oh, yeah. have it until what? I, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, high school. I, I can very and even clearly then remember. It, it wasn't readily available as it is now in everybody's pocket. You know, I remember it, very clearly going to a mutual friend's house and hanging out on a computer overnight on the internnet. And the AOL. big thing was AOL chat rooms. Exactly. Yeah, and that, that was, was it for us. It was just a chat room. Oh, Oh, how you've grown up, Internet. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's what, if, if at all there was bitterness, it's not in the fact that there are teachers, mm-hmm. but is the idea of what what community members and parents and, and what people think teaching is and should be and really looking at what could it be. And, and with what could it be, what benefits will that have for our society as a whole? What I'm hearing from all of that also is that – Words matter. The specific word matters. So the questions that we addressed that evening on the chat had to do with teaching in specific, but maybe it's not teaching so much as mutually learning. Uh, well put. That's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. I, I mean, as a whole, we, we talk about it, even in our district statement, we talk about all learners and we are striving to be lifelong learners. Um, and that's crucial. I mean, I take that to heart and I, and I see it everywhere I go. It's just, do, does our uh, college system where you go to learn to be a teacher, are they teaching this? Are they teaching that what you're really aiming for is to help kids become critical thinkers? Are they saying no longer are you at you are as valuable as Google is, you know, your, your Google is more valuable than you even in regard to information sharing, but where you are important 
is with that human experience, that one-to-one, that conversation, the getting the kid to think past where they think it stops, uh, to question and get them thinking and helping them be good at, uh, you know, critically thinking and problem solving and not the old school. Here's a math problem that you have to solve. Like, why am I solving? Give me a genuine problem to solve. And I, and I wonder, and I know, um, I wonder if college is preparing teachers for truly becoming learners and facilitators versus the standard teaching practice, the old school teaching practice. I'm completely on board with everything you just said. Yes. I'll tell you what, right now would be a great time for us to get Merlene Gilbin here so she could be sharing some of the stuff that she's doing at the college she's working at. Merlene, here is your toss out if you're listening. Get in contact with us. We'd love to talk to you. And other listeners, this is a person you want to hear from. She's amazing. So what what this brings us to is, I'm, as I'm looking over our notes here, uh, the question uh, that was posed at the very beginning of the year was, and, and you're kind of addressing it, what is the most critical thing right now for the kids and adults to learn? And the word, the question was from your teaching. But if we cut that out just right there, right now, what is the most critical thing for the kids or adults in your space to learn? in a year. What was that thing that seemed to really kind of resonate with the group and or with you, Jason? Oh, that's a good question. You know, Brian, what I think I saw from that question, the overall arching theme was that the adults in the room, the teachers, if you will, want the learners to know, or the kids really to know that they care about them. Mistakes are okay. And their voice matters. And they want that voice to be part of the classroom space. They want there to be failure. They want there to be success. And they want them to know that they are going to be supported. Yeah, I'd have to say that uh, that's pretty much exactly what I was saying and seeing in these uh, tweets as well as I scan over the conversation we had, which if you haven't, listeners, checked out the archive, please do. It's a lot of great chat if you weren't there for it. Weebly wgsdchat.weebly.com. Um, the thing that I really saw that you touched on was that failure is okay. Failure is okay. And then the thing that makes failure feel okay is the relationships that are fostered. So personally, in answering the that question, it, what would be the most critical thing I would have, from what the chat answered, I would have drawn that the district believes the most critical things for adults and kids to learn at the beginning of the year is that we matter to each other and that no matter what failure or success, we're going to back each other up and we're going to learn from it. I actually think you tweeted it best. You said that you care about them and their well-being, and everything that you do stems from that. Everything else will fall into place. And I think that is perfectly tweeted. (laughs) I'm smarter than myself sometimes, aren't I? <laughs> Love it. A prose worthy of poets, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, that kind of leads us into, and we're going to skip around with the sessions as they happened uh, historically, and we're not going to go from the first session to the second session to the third session and so on. We're going to skip on to the fourth session in September, which was uh, about passion in your teaching, Um 
and had a lot to do with some of these same concepts that we were just discussing, Jason. But before we do that, we're going to take a break. And there's a couple of reasons we're going to do this. Uh, you'll find this in our podcasting format. Uh, we got to give places for listeners to take a break, walk away, do some other stuff. Uh, give you guys a brain break, give us a brain break, and uh, we'll dive back into it after this short little snippet that we're going to toss in in between. So thanks for listening to the uh, WGSD After Chat so far. We'll talk to you guys in a minute. Okay, yes, thank you. Shh, quiet, quiet, please take your seats. Uh, thank you. Thank you all. Um, welcome to um, Teaching Resources 101. My name is Professor Pilkington. Um, I'm, uh, we're going to be going over some very important resources. Um, so please get your pencils and some paper ready to um, write down some very uh, important information. Um, I have a quick... Uh, video here to list some important um, apps and websites that you might want to use. Class Flow, Digital Breakout, Evernote, Flipagram, Canva, Remind 101, Nearpod, Recap, Orasma, Desmos, Virtual Patterns, Mathalicious, Estimation 180, Open Middle, Scratch, Khan Academy, Right Reader, Inanimate Alice, Storybird, Move It, Blocksold, Prodigy, Pear Deck, Seesaw, Doobink, Book Wizard, SketchUp, Duet Display, Hipstamatic and Google Cardboard VR viewers. Um, okay, uh, those were our apps and websites. Um, in addition, this is a list. Uh, this 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 subsequent video will provide you a list of important um, podcasting um, resources. Good job, Brain. Dear Hank and John, This American Life, Book Club, Hidden Brain, The Moth, Stuff You Should Know, Story Pirates, Hack Learning, and The Cult of Pedagogy. And, uh, yes, that was, <clears throat> thank you, yeah, that was very good. Um, and our final list, uh, for, for today's class, uh, my, my personal favorite, um, uh, as they are just, just right for my speed, um, some, uh, some, some books, some books you may look into to be, um, using as, as, Resources in your classroom. Mindset. The Book Whisperer. Curriculum 21. Inevitable. The world is flat. Teach like a pirate. 
the hope of a what if. Why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? Wonderland! Leading with soul. Zip! Teach with your heart. Out of my mind, Pete the Cat's groovy guide to life. 365 days of wonder. The space, a guide for educators. And renegade leadership. Okay, okay, um, thank you, uh, that is all for today, uh, class, uh, class is dismissed. Alright, and we're back. Our next talking point is all about connecting with our learners. Uh, what we've learned from this, uh, chat session was the key was building positive relationship with your learners. And what we're going to take a look at is, is how do you accomplish this, uh, this concept of building a positive relationship with your learners? What are the tips and tricks and tools and ideas to, uh, really assist in building positive relationships with your learners? So the, uh, first question that came up that evening was what do you passionately and deeply believe about learning and education? And it was interesting, the answers that started flowing out. This really intrigued me, Jason, because I was expecting from a question like that to hear about methods and curriculum and things like that. But what started flowing didn't have anything. Well, not that it didn't have anything. On the surface, it didn't seem and wouldn't seem to have a lot to do with about curriculum or specific methods. Everything pointed back to relationships. I agree. I mean, one of the tweets themselves were relationships are the foundation of all learning from Don Eckert. And I think that's a hundred percent accurate. It's the reason why kids want to come to school. If you have a positive experience and you're learning something interesting, the goal I think of every educator is for the kids to get so engaged in it and so lost in it and being allowed to have that. And like I said before, you have to be comfortable to ask questions. You have to be, you have to have those relationships. And if you can't ask a question and feel confident that, you know, my question, while I feel like maybe it's, it's not that great of a question that you can ask it and that you will get an answer and you won't feel bad about it. I mean, it's, it's crucial. We want everyone to feel happy and confident when they're in uh, when they're learning anything. And we know that in learning, there's going to be failure. And that's a, a raw feeling to have that, that bit of failing. No one wants to feel like they have failed. So it really becomes that crucial element is building that relationship to help support every learner. I loved the word you just used raw, a really raw feeling. And, and that's exactly what that is. Uh, a very raw feeling, but the relationships that everybody kept referring back to is the way that you, if you'll let me carry out the metaphor here is the way that you seem to, to apply the salve to that raw feeling. As I'm scanning these, these tweets, I'm seeing, uh, some really great answers like Gail and mind you, my thing here is going to be mispronouncing things, specifically people's names. So uh, if you're listening and you hear me mispronounce your name, it's completely out of respect and a severe lack of knowledge. <laughs> so Gail uh, 
Tuminello. There you go. Gail Tuminello. That's her name. Yes. Gail Tuminello. Hey. Internet five, Gail. High five. All right. Uh, She tweeted, relationships between students and teachers matter more than anything else. And if you aren't in the education system, that might seem confusing at that time. Like, why would relationships matter if all we're doing is imparting knowledge and trying to get them to retain said knowledge? But again, that goes back to our previous session or our previous segment discussing what this new learning and teaching style is. And Jennifer Jennifer Shaughnessy added to the conversation, every student can learn. It's up to us as teachers to help them figure out how they learn best. I love it. And I would even add to that, not every student can learn. Every kid is learning. Every one of us is learning all of the time. And it's really identifying that. I think that's a crucial piece. Uh, it was another tweet that I saw uh, that said uh, from... Alexis uh, at the high school said, I believe that we need to keep learning along with our students. And I think that's crucial. Like we are all learning. We are naturally, that is, that's like what makes us what we are. We're always learning something. But like I said, uh, Jen said it best when she said that it's up to us as teachers to help them figure out how do they learn best? Cause we are all unique and learn in different ways. And how would you ever know that if you don't have a relationship with uh the student uh in that space absolutely and and if we're all learners and if we're representing that we're all learners to these students it's about that relationship in which you can build the concept that you're learning from me as adult to child but i'm also learning from you because you are more knowledgeable and expert at something that i can learn from you that everyone can learn from you and those relationships create those conversations, create those connections, create those moments when a genuine, authentic experience is had and everything that ties into that. I agree. And you know what? One of the uh, next questions that popped up was about making those connections. And it was, what does that phrase mean to you? Learning is about making connections. So, Brian, what, what does that phrase mean to you? Well, actually, I happened to be looking right at my tweet when you asked that question. So I'll tell you what I said that evening, (laughs) and I'll tell you if it's changed since then. But my answer was connections equal relationships. And I went on to say it can also mean sharing stories of how learning applies to me or my students and making the learning personal. And a lot of that resonates still. And I mean, it's only been a month or so, but a lot of that resonates very deeply still with me as I read it out loud. Um, Again, the connections have to do with the relationships. And in order to make these relationships, it's not always going to be about the lesson on hand or the intended learning experience or even the experience going on. Sometimes it's about stopping everything in order to talk about the uh, sports event that happened that everybody is talking about. Because it makes you more personal. It makes you a person instead of an entity entitled teacher in front of the group. You're now one of them and you're a real thing and that makes you accessible. And that's how you make those connections. I think that's great. One of the other tweets from that um, answers from that uh, question was from uh, Dr. Sarah Wichert. And she said her best learning was done in a cohort of 18 where we laugh cried and push each other to be better. And that's one of those things that just resonates because 
if that was the best learning experience she had, why wouldn't we want to create that for our learners of all ages? Why wouldn't we want them to be helping one another push um, each other and, and finding those moments to laugh and, and, and have those emotions because, uh, one of those things it's true is, is that we are, was, uh, what was it? Ken Robinson said it last night in the video. I'm going to completely botch the quote. So I apologize, sir. Ken Robinson, if you are listening to this podcast, also awesome that you're listening to this podcast, but it was <laughs> yeah. the idea that, uh, education is, is the foundation of education is people. What is right? Can you say? Oh, okay. Well, I'm guessing you guys heard that. It's us from the future, Jason and Brian from the not when we were recording this podcast time period. Uh, We just had a bit of an audio glitch right here, and that audio glitch actually led to a file corruption, and the file corruption caused us to lose the entire rest of the podcast yeah so that's where we're at hey these things happen from time to time you know we're learning together as we move through the motions and actions of making creating and editing a podcast but clearly i was about to say something brilliant so imagine what it was and then we want to welcome you to the end of our first podcast yeah unfortunately that's right we're gonna we're gonna draw it to a close right here we know that you guys got the message about connections and relationships and the importance of them. And we trust you to know exactly the brilliant comment that Jason was about to make that was going to change our entire perspective on the world itself and reality. Which, by the way, Jason, on behalf of all the listeners, we thank you for that amazing insight that you psychically shared with us right now. Of course, we're gonna, I can do that. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and uh, we'll just toss it to the outro, listeners. Future us uh, gone and podcasting us, here we are. Well, we hope you enjoyed the first episode of the WSD. <laughs> we hope you enjoy listening to whatever it is we're saying because we can't remember that. Listen, it's been a long chat, people. Cut us some slack. The month worth of tweets. Come on. So, <laughs> well, in short, we hope you've enjoyed the uh, first episode of the After Chat. If you're interested in more chatting, check out the uh, WGSD chat every Thursday night on Twitter. We go live at 8 p.m. You just search for hashtag WGSD chat. All one word. W-G-S-D-C-H-A-T. And you can connect with me, Jason P. Heisel, on Twitter at the tech spec or you can find me brian hill at b hill underscore aka underscore eight and don't forget to follow wgsd chat the uh twitter account for wgsd chat that is at w-g-s-d-c-h-a-t be sure to like comment and subscribe on whatever platform you are using to listen to this itunes soundcloud or if you're on our WGSDChatWeebly.com webpage, click on the uh, After Chat and leave us a comment. You can always email us at WGSDAfterChat at WGCloud.org. And if you haven't yet, go find the movie we've been talking about, Most Likely to Succeed, and watch it. As always, stay tuned and stay connected. We'll talk to you next time, guys. And broadcast now. And boom, go. Ah!